Uh, we're in a series entitled Rooted. And when you think about that one phrase, what I just said, rooted, when you think about it, right, how amazing it is, amen, to understand that if we're going to be the kind of people that God wants us to be, we have to be rooted in the word of God. What better, what better thing to start with, amen, but the word of God, amen. And so what we're attempting to do in this series, what we're setting out to do in this series, amen, we're setting out to make sure that we understand the principles of how to study the Bible, amen. So far, we've looked at what the Bible is, amen. We've looked at all those scriptures. We, we've talked about the fact that there are a lot of people uh, who don't really understand the Bible, amen, and they need better understanding on how to apply the Bible to their lives, amen. Uh, a lot of times we pick up the Word of God and we're, we, we haven't, we, we don't really know in, in, some, in, some, in some respects, we don't really know how to study it, right? So we've been talking about, in our series here, we've been talking about how to study the Bible. What an, what an amazing opportunity, right? I, I remember when I started, when I became a believer, uh, no one told me how to study the Bible. I was trying to figure it out myself, right? And I was trying to figure things out as I was going. And, you know, I was just listening. I was just a listener. I was a learner, right? But then I wanted to learn how to study the Bible for myself, amen? And so then the Lord allowed me to go to seminary, and I was able to go there and really get into uh, the Word of God, amen, and I was able to learn the principles of how to study the Bible. And that's what I want to teach you tonight. That's what I want to continue to teach you. So this is How to Study the Bible, part four, amen. This will be part four, all right? And last week, uh, we talked about that the Word of God, the Word of God is it's like milk, right? I told you, uh, when you're not accustomed, the Bible uses certain symbols, uh, certain word pictures, if you would, and you'll find a lot of that as you're studying. Um, there are different genres, okay? We talked about having a good translation. I showed you that last week, right? Uh, why it's important to have a good translation? Because you want to get the pure milk, the what? The pure milk of the Word of God, right? And not only that, but the Word of God uh, is like, the next thing, and I, and I think I alluded to this last week, but if you have your Bibles, open your Bibles now, the 1 Corinthians, let's go to 1 Corinthians, um, 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's go there. Let's go there together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1, amen. Now, watch this. I want to show you something. Why is this so important? We live in a society today where we, we, are, uh, we are literally a biblically illiterate society, okay? Biblically illiterate. In other words, we don't, we, we know about the word, we, we, we hear the word, and, and I've heard people tell me, well, I listen to it more than I read it, right? But I want to tell you something, you can do both, but there's nothing like knowing how to read it. 
I believe that this this world, uh, society today, uh, they're being fed um, more of, if you would, candy uh, rather than a balanced diet, right? So if you eat too much sweet stuff, right, people want to know uh, 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 how to handle the issues of life and how to get through circumstances and how to do this and how to do that. We are in a how-to society, right? Back in the day, amen, the preacher would preach from the word of God, right? And the word of God would speak to every area of their lives, including the how-tos. But, but I believe that what happens to most of us, if you're not, if you have not been, been taught properly, if you have not been uh, given the opportunity to get exposure to the pure milk of the word of God, I believe that it becomes a problem with living because you got to remember one thing, right? The Bible is not just a book that you look at. It's a book that you read and you learn. And guess what? You develop and you grow. It, it helps you grow. If, if in other words, it's, it's food to your body. Come on, somebody. It's refreshment to your bones, you see? And, and so if you look at 1 Corinthians 13, and 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to get into the methods here. I got, I, I'm, I'm just pacing myself. He says, and I, brethren, watch this, could not speak to you, to, could not speak to you as to spiritual men. You see that? He said, Paul was speaking to this church at Corinth. This Corinthian church had, was a very gifted church, but they were a very carnal church. In other words, carnality, the definition for carnality is they were living, they were saved but they were still living like the world. Hello, somebody. They were still following the practices of the world. They were still following some of the principles of the world. You understand what I'm talking about, right? Because sometimes as believers, we can be in the same condition. Carnality can creep in. In other words, you know, you go weeks, you go months without reading, without praying, without studying, but you know you're saved, right? And this is where the grace of God comes in, right? There are a lot of people who say, well, I'm a good person, I'm saved, but but you don't go to church. You, well, I don't need church in order, to, in order to be saved. No, you need church to help you sustain your Christian life. And then sometimes you can be in church and never change. And that's where that's what was happening to these believers in, in at Corinth. And Paul writes to them, he says, I could not speak to you as to what? Spiritual men. He says, but as to men of the flesh. Notice that? He says what? As men of the flesh. In other words, Paul says, I can't speak spiritual. I can't talk spiritual talk to you. I can't use spiritual vocabulary. I can't use spiritual words. I can't use certain terminologies because you'll never understand it. Why? He said, because you're still of the flesh. He says, you are living like you're not saved. Watch this, men of the flesh. He says, and as infants, what? In Christ. Now, they had been saved for a long time. Can you imagine being saved for a long time and you're still dealing with certain things in your life and you're still stumbling over certain things about your Christian walk, right? And you haven't overcame them yet. You see, and but you should have been over, overcame them by now. Why? Because you are a growing, vibrant Christian, and you and you have all the tools at your fingertips. And that tool, that one tool that you have, 
And the most important tool that you have is the word of God. Now, here's the thing. If you need to go get glasses, go get some glasses. Amen. If you can't understand, if you can't see the words, go get you a large print Bible. Amen. I hear people give me all kinds of excuses why they can't read the word. Remember what we said last week, right? If you wake up every day and you eat, right? You eat breakfast. I don't eat breakfast. Okay, but you eat lunch. I don't eat lunch. Okay, you eat dinner. You eat at some point in the day. Well, I believe and I encourage you that you pick up your word of God at least once a day, amen, and you read it and you meditate on it and you listen to what God has to say to you from the word of God. Are you with, are y'all with me? Look what he says now. He says, I could not speak to you as men of the flesh, as but as to infants in Christ. Verse two, he says, I gave you what? Milk to drink, not solid food. You see that? For you were not able to receive it. A lot of times, I'm very cautious when I'm teaching in the seminary. I am cautious when I'm teaching here at the church because I realize that not everyone has the same capacity, amen, number one, or not everyone has the same appetite, number two, and number three, not everyone is spiritual. <laughs> so every now and then you may hear me use uh, certain terminologies and, you know, I may, I may pull something from the world to try to make a point. Because I know that we have in our in our midst, somebody's watching right now. You're like, I don't understand what you're talking about. And that's possibly because maybe you're not spiritually mature enough to understand what I'm talking about. Are you with me? And so I say to you this morning, tonight, amen. He says, I give you milk to drink, not solid food. He says, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're what? You're not able to what? You're not able. For you are still what? Fleshy. For since there's jealousy and strife among you, and you are, are you not fleshy? Are you not walking like mere men? Amen. Are you seeing this? Paul is saying to this church, these are church people. What happened to y'all? Why do I have to talk to y'all like I talk to, 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 to the other people out there in the world? And I believe that's what's happening in the church today. What's happening in church today is we're not speaking from the Bible anymore because, we're, because the people that are in church today are not biblically literate, amen, to understand. And let me tell you why. Because they were not trained that way. They were not brought into the kingdom that way. They may have been brought into the kingdom through prosperity. Come on, somebody through the doctrine of inclusion, through the doctrine of, uh, 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 of opinions and all these different gospels that's out here, right? The gospel of convenience, right? Amen. And they may have been brought into the kingdom this way, and that's what they grew up on, right? And you got to ask yourself a question, right? If you don't have an appetite for the word of God on a daily basis, you and I will remain the same. We will not grow in respects to our salvation. Are you with me? So now it's important. This is why I believe it's so important for you. Amen. It's so important to you for you that you learn the word, but you learn how to study it. 
Now, last week I told talked to you about the tools, right? I told you that in order for you to make a good get a good understanding of the Bible, you need to get a Bible, a, a good study Bible, right? In that study Bible, there are commentaries, dictionaries, maps, concordances, uh, lexicons, and all these different things that you need, the tools, right? The basic tools is found in the study Bible. Amen? There's what? The study Bible. Now, I want to say this to somebody. This may be basics, but whenever you leave the basics, if you're not practicing the basics, then you just have information about the basics. And I wonder, I wonder, right, how many of you are winning in life? Hello, somebody. Because you have the tools and you know how to apply the word of God to your life. Some, some of us are frustrated. Some of us are down. Some of us are depressed. Why are we depressed? And we have the tools and we have the word of God. Come on, somebody. At our fingertips where we can apply it to our everyday lives. Amen. But you need to know how. Paul says, listen, I want to talk to you a certain kind of way, but I got to talk to you like the world. You know, when he says flesh, he's basically saying, I got to use slang. I got to use terminologies that you understand. But at some point, Come on, somebody. Somebody got to give me a virtual thumbs up or something, amen, and say, Pastor, I get it. I'm understanding it. But here's the thing. At some point, you and I ought to get to a place where we're no longer drinking milk, but we're what? We're eating solid food and we're eating some meat, amen? And we can understand deeper things from the word of God, not just, you know, not just glossy things, not just, oh, how to make, how to make it in the relationship or how to do this, or how the how-to messages. Now, of course, I preached a lot of those messages because I understand the context of my audience, but what I'm trying to do for you, saints, what I'm trying to do for this church, uh, it is my mission that that all of you that are, that are following me in this series, right, that I move you by the end of this series into a place where you are becoming accustomed, come on, help me, to, to solid food, to, to the pure milk of the word of God, that you can study for yourself, amen, that you can pick up the word of God and understand what it's saying in its context, amen. So, so the other thing I want, the other passage I want you to go to is go to Hebrews chapter four, and I want to show you again, the Bible also uh, illustrates itself, amen, the word picture uh, here, we find Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter four, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter four, all right, and, and watch this, watch this. Watch this. Last week we did Hebrews chapter 4, verse um, 5, 11. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 4, and I want you to look at verse, uh, I want you to look at verse 12, one of my favorite passages. I went over this at one point, all right, and, and I want you to know that it's, it's an amazing passage in a lot of different ways because it, what it does, it helps you to understand what you're handling, okay? Uh, look what it says. It says, it says, uh, he says, verse 12, it says, for the word of God is what? Is living. You see that? I want you to always remind yourself that when you pick up the word of God, you understand that it's a living book. It's not a book. It's, it's, it's unlike any other book you'll ever read in your entire life. Are you with me today? Amen. He says, look what he says. He says, for the word of God is what? Is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the what? The thoughts 
and the intentions of the heart. Are y'all with me? Amen. So we understand that the word of God is what it is. Amen. It is alive and it is well. It is alive. It's living. It will cut you. It will correct you. Come on, somebody. It will kill you and all that. All right. Now, let's get into the principles now. Now, we talked about we begin with context, and then we begin with the framework. Told you you have to have a good translation. The translation that you need is the one that I've, that, that I've suggested here at the church, right? You can use the ESV, and you can use the NASB, right? But then we have to begin with genre. Like, what is a genre? And I want to show you the Bible's genre, okay? And then, but before you even pick up the word to study, you must open in prayer. You must say, God, forgive me of my sins. Examine yourself before you open the word of God. Sometimes, you know, when you don't examine yourself, when you don't pray, right, it's like, it's like reading any other book. You will not come up with any form of clarity from God's word. Why? Because you, you're still, you still have the weight of the world, your worries, and everything else on you. And it's important that you begin with prayer, okay? Second thing you want to do is begin with the context, right? How do we read other books? Context means, and I, I'm bringing this up again because it's an important principle. Context means that if I'm reading one verse, then I want to always read the connecting verses, the verse before and the verse after, okay? Always remember that. So when we went to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, right? What we did is we jumped into the middle of a conversation, right? We, we didn't look at, I didn't do it because, you know, again, I, was, I gave it to you. But, but my point is, you always want to go back. I, I would, like, if I was reading this passage, I would go back if I, was, if I had more time, right? If I was doing this as a personal study. What, whenever I open the Bible, whenever I pick up a verse, I always go back to verse 1. Always go back to verse 1. And whenever you go back to verse one, look what it says in Hebrews chapter four. Let me see if I can share that on the screen here. All right, I want to I want to illustrate this to you because I think I think it's best illustrated. Um, you know, and when it's illustrated, you can uh, literally, um, you know, get get the big idea of what I'm trying to say. Okay, so let me illustrate this to you real quick. All right, so this is my digital Bible. Okay, can you see that? All right, there it is. All right, so I'm gonna go to he I'm gonna go back to that Hebrews chapter four. Matter of fact, you know what? Uh, yeah, let's go to let's go to the Hebrews chapter four. All right, and, and and the reason I'm going back to the Hebrews chapter four to show you how to read context. All right, so you need to know how to read the context. All right, so if I say Hebrews chapter four verse twelve, so in Bible study, right? When I when I from now on, okay. After Bible study, or whenever you want to do it, right? So when if I'm teaching Bible study, write down the verses that I give out in Bible study. Then after Bible study, right, go back wherever I showed you in Bible study, right? Go back to verse 1, you know, and read the rest of it so you can get the understanding, right, a better understanding of what I said in Bible study, and you can connect the verse to the context, okay? So start making that a practice. Here's some homework assignment for you, right? All right, so that way you are growing and you're getting better, okay? Now, uh, our passage is Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, correct? 
So look what it says here. It says, for the word of God, right? Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to verse 1. Now, when I go back to verse 1, whenever you go back to verse 1 and you see the word therefore, write this down, okay? You want to always ask, was it, what is it therefore? <laughs> All right? What is it therefore? Therefore causes you to go back again because there's a bigger context of what, what's being said. Whenever you see therefore, right, something was said before that that concluded the therefore here in verse 1. Look what he says. He says, therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, as, as any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Now, when you read that, you can tell that something was said before that. So what you got to do now is you got to go back now, all right? And what I do is I go back to, in your Bible, you will see these big headings like this right here. See what it says, the peril of unbelief, right? And, 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 and this is a good Bible because it, it does the break for you, okay? But what I always say is if you don't know where the break is, sometimes in your Bible, the verse, like the number for the verse will be highlighted. It'll be dark. So that means that that's the break in the passage. So write that down, the break in the passage, right? So, so when I'm reading the context, therefore, I'm going to go back to verse 12. Now, look what it says in verse 12. It says, take care, brethren, that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened, watch this, by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end. While it is said, while it is said, today, if you hear my voice, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. Now you see the big idea, right? What's the big idea? What is what is the writer talking about? He's talking about the fact that you are you and I ought to be careful that we do not become, we don't, we don't end up becoming an unbeliever or we start not believing anymore. We have to be careful because of the deceitfulness of sin, because sin will come in and cause you to stop believing all of this. So you could be a Christian for a long time, and then all of a sudden the deceitfulness of sin comes in and start causing you to have a hardened heart. Look at verse 16. For who provoked him when, when, they, when, they, when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses, right? And with whom uh, was he angry for 40 years? Now he's going back to an Old Testament passage, principle. Was it not with those who sinned? He's talking about who was God provoked by? He was provoked by the children of Israel when they left Egypt. He was provoked by them for 40 years. Watch this. Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And in whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but those who are what? Disobedient. You see the big idea? What he's talking about is that disobedient people, amen, will be disciplined, but there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a high chance that God will give them over to their unbelief. 
So you got to be careful of that. Now watch this. He says, so, so, we, so we see that they were not able to enter because of what? Because of what? Unbelief. Write this down somewhere. Always look when you're reading in context for words that repeat itself. Those are what you call key words. You want to look for key words, like the word unbelief has been mentioned, right? Now we go to chapter four and look what it says. It says, therefore, now you understand the context, right? What's the context? Unbelief. Let us what? Fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. See that? See how, how the context just makes chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 come alive? Look what he says. He says, for indeed, we have good news preached to us, just as they, who is the they? The they are those right here, right, who fell in the, in, in, in the wilderness, those who were disobedient to God, right? See it? He says, for indeed, we have had good news preached to us, as they also, but the word, but but the word they heard did not what profit them. You see that? Because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Are you catching this? What he's saying is that the reason why they fell to unbelief and doubt. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody today. Amen. Watch this. It's because when they received the word of God. They did not receive it with faith. They received it with doubt. They didn't believe what they heard. Verse 3, it says, for we who have believed, watch this. Now he does a contrast. Entered that rest, just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his work. And again, in this passage, they shall enter my rest. Therefore, they go to therefore now, since it remains for some to enter it, those who formerly had the good news preached to them, preached to them, failed to enter because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day today, saying through David after so long a time, just as it has been said before, watch what he says. Today, if you hear his voice, do not, what? Harden your hearts. What is he saying? What he's saying is that the cure for unbelief is to unharden your heart. A lot of times we're in Bible study. We're in, we listen to a sermon, but our hearts are so hardened that we are not profiting from it. You with me? Amen. And so what he's saying is that God who shut it up to those before because of unbelief has given us now an opportunity to hear his word. Come on, somebody. But don't harden your heart from the word because it cuts you, because it corrects you, because it pierces you. Come on, somebody. Because it puts you back on track. Verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, 
Let us be diligent to enter the rest so that no one will fall through, though following the same example of what? Disobedience. The rest that he's talking about here now is the rest for your soul. The rest from, come on somebody, from living a life of sin so much so that we are disobedient to God and we can't stop and we keep going through the cycles in life. He says God is inviting you and I to enter that rest so that we will, come on somebody, learn from the example of Israel and how they fell in the wilderness because they did not believe God. Are you with me? Verse 12 now is the verse that we were dealing with. He says, for the word of God. What was he saying? In context, he's saying God spoke to them and God is speaking to us now through his word. Come on, somebody. He says, for the word of God is what? Now it's living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow. And it's able to what? Judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So in other words, the word will keep you from a hardened heart, but it's up to you to obey it. It's up to you to understand it. It's up to you to believe it. And if you don't believe it, then you cannot live by anything else. You and I, if we're trying to live on music, if we're trying to uh, live on emotion, if we're trying to live on experience, it will never work. You and I need to know how to study God's word so that we can apply it so that we do not develop a hardened heart. Now, that's how you deal with context. Amen. All right? <laughs> Amen. All right. Now, let me get back now to my PowerPoint. Amen. Let me get back to this, okay? Now, because I got to go. All right? I just showed you how to use the context. All right, now what I want to show you, I want to show you the, diff the five different genres, okay? All right, on a blank piece of paper, trace your hands and write the five genre types in the Old Testament and repeat for the New Testament, right? So there are five genre types, all right? So if you want to trace out your hand, this is Bible study. Trace out your hand. Yeah, we're going back to elementary school. Amen. Trace out your hand. Amen. Don't harden your heart on this one. Amen. All right. And so here we go. Here are the genres. Remember what a genre is, right? It's a, it's a, it's a specific cl uh, class, okay, uh, for, for a uh, particular book, right? So there are, number one, the law books, the law books, okay, in the Bible, in the Old Testament. All right. Here are the law books. Write them down. Genesis to Deuteronomy. Those are God's specific law, laws, okay? All right, it's, it's called the Torah, okay? For the Jewish person, it's called the Torah. The Torah for the, for the Jewish person is the most important books in the Bible because it contains God's law on how to live, all right? See, if you need information on how to live in life, you can find it in the Word, but God gave his people he gave his people the book, but he, 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 he categorized it in different genres, okay? Then you have the history books. The history books is from Joshua to Esther, okay? From what? From Joshua to what? 
to Esther. From where? From Joshua to Esther. All right, then you have your poetry books. From Job, you did not know, a lot of you probably don't know that Job, that Job is a, uh, Job is a, um, hold on one second. That Job uh, and Song of Solomon, okay? So you have Job through the Song of Solomon. Those are poetry books. Now, why is it so important for you to understand this? The reason why you, you and I need to understand this is because when you're reading these particular books, you got to know what genre they're in so that you know how to interpret them. When you go, when you go into the history books, for instance, you will get the history of how God dealt with his people for all the way from Joshua all the way to Esther, okay? And then you have Job and the book of Solomon, okay? That's poetry, that's poetry. Then you have what's called major prophets, all right? They're not major because they're major. They're, ma they're called major prophets because of the length of their books. That's why it's called, that's why it's called major prophets, okay? Y'all with me? All right, y'all follow me? All right. All right. Some of y'all sleep. Um, major prophets, Isaiah through Daniel. I know I'm putting you to sleep. Ma Isaiah through Daniel. Isaiah through Daniel. All right. And then we have what? We have what? We have minor prophets. I'm seeing what's happening in the chat, too. Uh, we have what? We have we have what else we have? We have minor, minor prophets, minor prophets. OK, so you have major prophets of. So if I was to quiz you on this and say, what, what, um, if I was to quiz you and I say, hey, why, why are there major prophets? What are you going to tell me? You're going to tell me because, not because they were major, but because of the length of their books, right? All right. Then you have what? What else do you have? You have minor prophets. And your minor prophets is Hosea through Malichi, okay, or Malachi. Some of us know them as Malachi, but it's pronounced Malichi, okay? It's, it's it's what, it's what, it's called Malichi. Y'all can tell I love talking about this stuff, right? Uh, because I love I love to teach, I love to watch you learn. I want to see you get better. I want to I want you to tell me, Pastor. I've been reading my word and I've been reading the context and I'm understanding it. I'm understanding what I'm reading now. Okay, so God sent the prophets, right? You know why? You know why they were prophets, right? Y'all know why they were prophets? They were prophets because God needed to speak to his people. People were always disobeying God. So God would send a word through the, to the prophet like he sends a word through the pastor today. Same concept. But the difference is, here's the difference between then and now. God is not giving the pastor today new revelation, okay, to write in the book because the book has already been written. So God gives the pastor a word from what's already written to present it to you, and it's called prophecy. Now, when God gave it to them back then, it was new, all the way new, because it was going to be placed into this book called the Bible. Y'all with me? All right, good. All right, so let's go to our New Testament now. Let's go to our New Testament, and we're going to break off, all right? Genre, genre for the New Testament. In the New Testament, you have, number one, the Gospels. Matthew through John, okay? Matthew through John, that's the Gospels, all right? All right, history, Book of Acts. If you want to know the history of the church, you're like, man, 
Where did the church start from? The church didn't start here in America, by the way. Okay? We have westernized Christianity, and it is a mess. All right? Uh, it is a mess. Okay? I was watching a documentary today uh, of in India. There's 1.2 billion people uh, in uh in uh, in in in, uh, in India, right? And they're they're saying now they're going from people who didn't have food to now people who have bad food. So they what they've done is they've adapted the culture, the Western culture. They got uh, Burger King, they got McDonald's, they got KFC. They have all, and the people now uh, rather than dying of starvation, they're dying of all kinds of food related disease. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, so. You know, <clears throat> you need balance, right? Then you have, after you have history, uh, you have the letters, which, which they're called, uh, well, just the, the letters. Letters that were written, Romans through Hebrews, they are letters. So I want you to treat this. Whenever you read Romans through Hebrews, I want you to always remember it's a letter that's going to someone. You're reading somebody's mail. That's what you're reading. It's inspired. It's the inspired word of God with timeless principles, but here's the thing. It is God's word to, to that specific audience first, and then to you and I. And then you have what's called the general letters. General letters are James through Jude, okay? General letters. James through Jude. And then you have prophecy. All right. Prophecy is the book of what? The book of Revelation. All right. So now that you have the genres, all right, you have the gospel. So, so in the New Testament, you have gospel, history, letters, general letters, and then you have prophecy. That's the book of Revelation. Okay. So now you're getting a better grasp for your Bible. All right. And then in the Old Testament, what do we have? We have the law books. We have the history books. We have the poetry books. We have the major prophets. We have the minor prophets. It ends with the minor prophet Malichi or Malachi. Okay, so there it is. All right. So you have you have now, Amen. You have now uh, a good idea, Amen. You have a good idea now of what it looks like, Amen. So now when you go to read, you say, Oh yeah, all right. This is history. This is a letter. This is this is a this is prophecy, right? Uh, a lot of times, people don't know what they're reading. You know, you just pick up the Bible. It's, it's a book you look at it like, man, well, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to give you a good understanding on how to read it. All right? Begin with prayer. Our relationship with God has to be cultivated through the through spiritual discipline of prayer and Bible study. Um, John 16.3 says, the Holy Spirit is our guide and our helper. All right? And this is what I gave you. I gave you this little acronym, right, for Bible, basic information before leaving earth. All right? That's what the Bible is. It's giving you basic information for living, amen, before leaving earth, all right? All right. And so study. Study and understand. How do you study? All right? Steps into the what? into the sandal. First of all, you got to step into the sandals of the author. So if I, if I, if I were to say anything, I would say the first thing is you have to get it 
from the author's shoes. They didn't have shoes back then. That's why he put sandals. All right? They didn't have shoes. They didn't have Nike. They didn't have Adidas. They didn't have none of that. They had sandals. Okay? And they, All right? So, so not, not a lot of times when you're reading the Bible, too, you have to understand the culture. You understand that culture that's being, uh, that's being, uh, is being written in. Okay? The next thing you have to do is take time to look up words. Takes time to look up words. Now, I'm not going to teach you that, but but remember what I said, right? You need a Bible dictionary, all right, if you're going to look up words, okay, if you have a concordance. Understand the figure of speech. So, you know, the, remember the word pictures I was telling you about, how the Bible uses word picture? You saw it in that passage. It says it's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I mean, I mean, who uses a two-edged sword, right? But we know that when it says joints and marrow, we know we'll always have joints and we'll always have marrow, right? So God knew by way of the Holy Spirit what to say for us to understand it better, right? Figure of speeches, all right? Dig deeper than the surface, all right? Dig deeper than the surface. And lastly, yield to God, yield to God. So when I read, I always ask God, okay, God, what are you trying to say to me? I yield myself to God and to the Holy Spirit so that he can speak to me, okay? okay, All right, so you get into the sandals of the, of the author first, right? Step into the sandal of the author. What does that look like? First of all, a New York slogan. If I can make it, uh-oh. If I can make it here, you'll, if, I'm sorry, if you can make it here, right, you'll make it what? Anywhere. All right? This is a New York slogan, right? What slogans or sayings are generic to the place where you were born and raised? Now, if we were here together, I would ask you, like, what slogan? Everything is big in Texas, right? Uh, you go to Missouri, Missouri is the what? The show me state, right? So wherever you've lived, there was there's some slogans and sayings, right? The thing is, there are five W's of asking questions. Five W's and how. Uh, and a how, okay? Five W's and a how if you're going to get into the author's shoes, okay? Sandals. Number one, who is he writing to? Who's the audience? Okay? Number two, what is the situation being addressed? There's something being addressed. My time is up. Uh, number three, when is, the, uh, when is the author writing? You know, is it an immediate historical event? You know, when is the author writing? When is he writing? Where is he writing from? And then why is he writing? The purpose. And then lastly, how is God relating how is God relating to his people in this passage? You know, how? How is God relating to his people in this passage? All right? So you ask the who, the what, the where, the when, the why, and then the how. And then I would always ask, too, I would always ask when you ask, remember, this is first for the author, not for you. Okay? So a lot of times people go straight to application before they go to observation. Next week, I will continue, uh, and I'm going to get into now the, the, the three steps to using those questions and, in the, and give you the method now, 
All right, so we looked at the message, we looked at the tools. Now, next week, I'm going to teach you the method now, okay? We're going to start with those questions, all right? And then when you get those questions answered, then you're ready to go on to the next thing. But how do you do that? You have to have what I call a study Bible.